Ciao, my name is Umberto Mucci and this is with Italian News, a podcast about Italy during coronavirus times. Today is Thursday, July 28, 2022, and this is the last episode of the third season of With Italian News. Italy's total number of officially diagnosed COVID cases reached and surpassed 20 million since the beginning of the pandemic, and so Italy has become the seventh country to officially surpass this number. The new wave of COVID is slowing down here in Italy, but the numbers are still worrying, even if, as already told, this variant is more contagious but less harmful. It is to be hoped that the autumn, which will bring many other problems, will not see a new rise in pandemic numbers and that we will not have to return to the restrictions experienced in the previous two autumns, which from the COVID point of view were very difficult in Italy. Despite the fact that it is in office only for current affairs and because of this it is much weakened by the political crisis that has engulfed it, the Draghi government continues to try to work to help Italians. Yet another success was the approval of a decree law aimed at speeding up judgments before Italian administrative courts in order not to miss the goals of the recovery plan. Administrative courts' judgments are one of the biggest causes of slowness and hindrance to public works in Italy, if not the worst ever. The effects on this decree were already seen when it managed to avoid the blocking of some works in Puglia for one of the many infrastructure works contained in the European Recovery Plan that Italy absolutely needs. Another important project the government is working on is that of another degree to help Italians struggling with rising commodity and energy prices. Thanks to the improvement in the Italian economy due to the actions of the Draghi government, which among other things saw Italy's public debt fall by 3.3 billion euros in May, Draghi is succeeding in the difficult task of improving the Italian economy and helping citizens and companies without making new debt while the Italian parties are already asking to do exactly so, new debt during the election campaign, the period when they do nothing but promise without explaining where to get the money they promise. In the meantime, Draghi acts concretely and distributes aid to family and business without worsening the economy. But unfortunately, all this will end after the September 25 elections. And it is a bitter coincidence that a few days ago we celebrated 10 years since Draghi, who was then governor of the European Central Bank, saved the euro, the common European currency, through an action that was summed up by his famous phrase, whatever it takes. Uh, he, uh, he was trying to do the same with Italy as well, but it is easier to deal with European bankers than with Italian politicians, with whom, speaking of famous phrases, the American saying, uh, no good deed goes unpunished, uh, perfectly applies. I put together some good news that I'd like to leave you with. What I like of these five good news is that they come from the north, the center and the south of the country, from small towns, but also from the capital too. I'll leave you with these in the hope that they will help you appreciate more and more this wonderful but troubled Italy of ours, which, at least as far as I'm concerned, makes me love it more and more, both when it behaves good and when it hurts itself. And I think that, you know, that's amore. The first is the Rome's Coliseum, that has just been given an actual price tag, and it's big. The Coliseum contributes around $1.4 billion a year to Italy's GDP from tourism and related activities, attracting well over 7 million visitors annually before the pandemic, and we're getting back there. But the actual value of the monument to Italy might actually be far higher, 
taking the Colosseum's social value into account, the monument is worth nearly $78 billion, according to a recent report that relied largely on how strongly Italians felt about their iconic monument. The second good news is about Ischia, the beautiful island in the Campania region that has been named the best island in the world by readers of the American magazine Travel and Leisure in the 2022 edition of the World's Best Awards, the annual international survey for top tourism destinations. Readers are asked to rate islands according to their activities and sites, natural attractions and beaches, food, friendliness and overall, overall value. The third good news also comes from the same magazine and survey. According to Travel and Leisure's readers, the most beautiful hotel in the world is in Tuscany, near Montalcino. Among the hills and rows of vines stands the Rosewood Castellon del Bosco, just a stone's throw from the village of Montalcino, in the heart of the beautiful Val Dolce, uh, lies the world-renowned resort which consists of 42 suits, 11 villas, two restaurants, a cooking school, a spa, one of the most historic wineries and a private golf club. Surrounding the village are 2,000 hectares, 62 of which are vineyards, and it is here that the famous Brunello di Montalcino wine is born. The resort achieved an almost record-breaking score, touching 100 and reaching 99.25 overall. This is the highest rating ever received by a hotel facility. In the world's top 100, however, there is room for other places in Tuscany, especially Florence. The fourth good news is that there are six Italian gelato shops in the top 10 of the Gelato Festival World Ranking and that the winner is Italian. His name is Marco Venturino of I Giardini di Marzo in Barazze, in the province of Savona, Liguria, who won the competition among more than 5,000 competitors from all over the world. The ranking was based on the result of dozens of events over the past 11 years in which each gelato maker obtained a certain score, which then competed for position in this final global list. Marco Venturino won with the Bocca di Rosa, a flavor created as a sweet homage to the famous song by Genoese and Ligurian singer-songwriter Fabrizio De André, with a very delicate flavor given by the perfect mix of white chocolate and rose water, which was inspired by the slow food presidium of rose syrup, an ancient product of Genoese tradition. And last but not least, the final good news is about an Italian, Giuseppe Paterno, who is 98 years old and has become Italy's oldest graduate again. Giuseppe has added a Master's in History and Philosophy from the University of Palermo to an initial degree in the same subjects here and there two years ago and we spoke about that on With Italian News back in those days. He passed the latest degree with top marks again. He has no plans to rest and wants to write a novel using his trusty typewriter. Born in 1923, Giuseppe grew up in a poor family in Sicily and despite his love of books and studying, he was unable to go to university as a young man. Instead, he served in the Navy during World War II from the age of 20 and went on to be a railway worker. Allow me a little bit of rhetoric, please, but it seems to me that Giuseppe Paterno is the example of the older generation of Italians to whom the new gener generations, but also my own generation, and I am no longer young, should look to, from whom they should learn, whom they should hang on as an example. Let us hope that it can happen and that in the future of Italy there will be more and more Italians learning from Giuseppe Paterno. Dear friends, this episode concludes the third season of With Italian News. During these years, I tried to give you an idea of what was and is happening in Italy, trying to remain impartial, to select interesting and not boring news. 
It wasn't uh, very easy, but it wasn't hard either. I've also tried not to give you too negative an idea of a wonderful, but very complicated and worried country, which has shown, even in the recent 19th political crisis, that it has self-harm as a national sport, or as you would call it, the national pastime. Uh, now, I hope I have not bored you. I thank you for the following with Italian news, the videos or the audio podcast. I wish you a peaceful, serene, healthy, maybe even happy August, and as Italian as you can. With Italian News will be back on all the platforms and social media we are present on on Thursday, September 8, which is also the anniversary of a symbolic date for Italy, the one when overnight Italy went from the wrong side to the right side in World War II. We hope the same will happen in September when Italians have to vote a few days after the first episode of the fourth season of We The Italian News. For now, have a good summer, please stay safe and take care, and from Umberto Mucci, ciao from Rome.